John chapter 4. And we don't have time to go unpack this whole passage, but you'll probably see a little bold print or title that says the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus had to travel through Samaria, and I wish I could nerd out on all and get maps and all that cool stuff, but Samaria was this region in Israel where the Samaritans live, and Samaritans and Jews were like oil and water. It was pure racism between them. They, they, they had different theology on how and where to worship. And Jesus says, hey, I need to go through Samaria. And the disciples are like, you need to do what? Like, you sure we can't just go around like all the rest of our Jewish brothers and, and sisters do? Like, we, we normally travel around Samaria. And Jesus is like, no, I need to go through it. And he gets to this well in the middle of the day. It's the hottest part of the day. And there's a woman there filling up her pails to take back. And culturally speaking, the women didn't go to the well in the heat of the day. They would go in the morning. And we've come to find out that this woman has a reputation, that she kind of gets around town and she's been married a whole bunch of times. And Jesus sends his disciples off to the closed town to go get some food and supplies. And Jesus has this one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Samaritan woman. And he talks about eternal life. And all of a sudden, like the light bulb just went off and she got it and she understood that Jesus was the Messiah and she couldn't wait to go back to the town and tell everyone about it. And I just want to grab this one verse and we see how the disciples reacted when they came back and they saw Jesus speaking with this woman. Just then his disciples arrived and they were, what's this word? They were amazed. Are you amazed at what Jesus is doing in your life? Come on, that's a good question. I didn't have that in my notes. Are you amazed at what Jesus is doing in your life? And I get it. Maybe some of us were in different places and we're in that wrestling match. Keep after it. You will be amazed if you keep seeking out God and his will for you. But they were amazed that he was talking with the woman. Jewish rabbis didn't talk to women outside of a close of kin, like daughters and nieces. And now he's talking to a woman who's a Samaritan and she's kind of floozy. He's hanging out with her. And they were amazed by this. She was completely different than the Jews. Yet no one said, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Paul, he understood this, and he was trying to get this to the church. Back in Ephesus, he says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He, he what? He united Jews and Gentiles into what? One people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. He united. I think we can all be united even if we're different. Being united doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we all need to dress the same, vote the same, listen to the same music, but we can be united in one under the name of Jesus. Even if we're different, it's okay to be different. I see it playing out. God created different animals. As humans began to spread across the earth, there are different kinds of humans. I think it's a good thing but we can be united and be one under the name of Jesus. He did this. 
By ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles is any other human being who's not a Jew. By creating in himself, read these three words with me, one new people. He's creating one new people under the name of Jesus. He modeled this. Love one another the way that I've loved you. And so if we're gonna express extraordinary love to different people, how are we doing on that? How are we loving people who are connected to the LGBTQT community? How are we loving people who voted for that other party? We got some strong opinions in here. Let's just call a spade a spade. I say this in love. We have strong opinions. And they clearly didn't vote for the right person, right? They're different than us. But how well are we loving on them? How well are we loving on people who are for the vaccination or against the vaccination or the people who are in the middle and still trying to figure it all out? How are we loving on them? How are we loving on people who have a different skin color than us? People who speak differently than us. I think we need to broaden our horizons, interact with people who are different than us. And we need to love on them. We need to hear their stories. We need to have empathy and compassion as we're one anothering with people who are different. And we need to love the different. And I think this rolls into this fourth expression of extraordinary love, and that is loving our enemies. You know, going back to the people who voted for that other party, right? Like, we get on our soapbox, we get on our social media, and we just, we give our opinion of the way that it should be, and we're going to tell the other point of view just how wrong they are. We want to tear down, we want to burn down their opinion and elevate our opinion. I love what Bob Goff has to say about this. He says burning down others' opinions doesn't make us right, it makes us arsonists. Is it really gonna bring someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior by burning down their opinion? How many people, like, are we... Are we gonna debate them enough and have them submit and say, oh, yep, you're right, I'm gonna surrender my life over to Jesus now. I was totally off. Thanks for correcting me on that one. I haven't been in those situations. I mean, to be honest, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> That's a lot easier than actually taking time and loving one another. Matthew, one of the, Jesus' disciples recorded Jesus' words. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus said, look, this is what, the way that the world's been doing it, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. We need to love our enemies and not just love them, we gotta pray for them. 
And we, we got to check our heart on this. We can't be praying that they get a bunch of back hair and warts and stuff like that, right? Like, we got to check our heart on that. But what does it generally look like to pray for our enemy? Say, God, I don't understand their opinion. But what I do know is Jesus died for them too. What can I learn from them? That's hard. Matthew wasn't done recording Jesus's words. He says, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We get so narrow focused on this situation with our enemy, where God's above it all. He makes the sun and the rain fall on the good and the bad, on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is above it all. He has that perspective. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? This was written by a tax collector. Do we just hang out with the same people who love us all the time? I get it. It's good to have healthy relationships. I'm not against that. I'm not telling you to go out and just dump all the healthy relationships that you have. I'm not saying that. But what does it look like to love the different and to love our enemies? And maybe you're like, Brandon, you have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea those words and how deep they cut. Brandon, you have no idea what they did to me physically. And you're right. I don't understand that. But I want to share a three-minute video with you of a story on forgiveness. And as we watch this video of forgiveness, it's an extreme case. <laughs> Not going to lie. We need to wrestle with loving our enemies and if we're harboring bitterness inside of our hearts... What do we need to do about that? And what does it look like to forgive someone else? Let's watch this three-minute video. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. 
A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Yes, I'm grateful. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience of one. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. I don't know that I could do that. If someone murdered one of my children, that was extraordinary love. Pastor Ryan said this a few weeks ago. He says, come on. Love always requires more from us than what we want to give. That makes a lot more sense now after watching that video. I was that lost person. I was that person who was different. I was the least of these. And I made a lot of enemies in this town. But God swooped down and shined that light into the darkness of my life. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm trying to grab a hold of this understanding of this love that God has for you and for me. He did send his one and only son to be nailed to a cross and to shed his blood for you and for me. We need to grab a hold of that understanding and to go, to live like Jesus, and to share this extraordinary love to others. That's what it means to be a disciple maker. We have to extend, reach out, and give this extraordinary love to others. And maybe you're wrestling with loving your enemies. And maybe you're here, you're, like I'm in the believer side on that, and it's time to move to more 
friends. I hope that you hear my heart. I hope that you, you see my intent is not to beat you up. But what if we left out of this place with an understanding of how there is no greater love than Jesus dying on a cross for you and for me. There is, hands down, no greater love. There isn't. We need to try to grab a handful of that understanding and, and put it into our life. And then we take that and we go out these doors and we extend this extraordinary love to others. So maybe that's your next step is to understand, to know God, to know his character, to understand this gospel message, this good news. And here's the other thing. There's the supernatural. We need the Holy Spirit in our life in order to go do that. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. He was dead for three days. The Holy Spirit came in and raised him back to life. And we need that supernatural power in our life to go extend this extraordinary love to others. And maybe, maybe that's your move. Maybe that's your next move is to have that here today. So I wanna encourage everyone to stand with me. We're gonna sing one last song called The Lamb of God. I want the prayer team to come down to either side Maybe your next step to move to more is to actually move from your chair and have the prayer team lift you up in prayer. Maybe you need to ask Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior for the first time. Come see the prayer team. Maybe, maybe for you to move to more is you just need to come up to the front of the stage on the kneelers and change your posture before your creator and tell him you're sorry for something, or just ask for him to fill you with his Holy Spirit to go give this extraordinary love to others. Don't just stand there like this. It's time to move to more, friends. There is more. And maybe your move to more is actually raising your hands in worship as we sing this song. Like there is no greater love than Jesus. And maybe we just need to lift our hands for the very first time and praise him for that love. So I don't know what your next step is, but I wanna pray for all of us before we get into this song. And I want Holy Spirit to give you strength to move to more. Whether it's come to the prayer team, to the front, maybe you need to get on your knees right in front of your chair. Maybe you just need to raise your hands and praise the heavenly father above. So Father God, we humble ourselves before you. We want to obey your word. We just heard your words, not Brandon's words. We heard your word, your holy Bible spoken here today. So Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us? Would you remove the scales from our eyes? Would you soften our hearts? Would you open up our minds? And to understand, to understand that there is no greater love, that the Lamb of God shed his blood. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So, Holy Spirit, we're weak in our flesh and we need your help. So, Holy Spirit, would you just fill this room? Would your presence be known? And would you help us and give us strength? We humble ourselves before you and we ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus.